hey, hey. Welcome, 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 everybody. Welcome to the Riding the Bench podcast, home of the underachieving football player. Shout out to all the subpar athletes out there with a great mind for the game. This is your show. So whether you're listening on Apple, Spotify, or YouTube, wherever you may be, thank you so much for taking the time to be here. My name is Justin. Across the camera lens from me is my buddy Asif. What I was supposed to mention is that I'm the Colts fan. He's the Eagles fan. And of course, we record this coming out of week 12. So a big win for the Eagles on Sunday night football and the common L for the Colts on Monday night football. But hey, right, that's the way it goes for us Colts fans this season. We'll talk about it. But before that, if you're a fan of either of those teams and you want to do us a favor, just shoot a quick thumbs up on the YouTube video that helps us with all that fancy algorithm type stuff, whatever that means. It's going to help us get this video to as many people as humanly possible. As a token of our appreciation, thank you for doing that. If you're in a rush, we've taken the time to timestamp this video in the description, wherever you're watching, so you can make sure that you get to exactly where you want to be in this entire recording right here. Sure. All right. That's what we got, Asif. So I'm going to start with you. Both of our teams played on primetime. That's right. Perfect time for this episode. That means that everybody saw it. It wasn't just me watching the Colts game, and it Mm -hmm. wasn't just you watching the Eagles game. Everyone watched those games. They saw all of it, the good, the bad. Uh, particularly in my case, in the ugly, right? But I want to start with you because at the end of the day, the Eagles are the thing that are kind of keeping this alive over here, right? Yeah, so, just a little bit. Yeah. So right off the bat, Asif, for me, that game against Green Bay mm-hmm. answered my questions about Philly personally. That is what I wanted to see. So what mm-hmm. do you have to say to everyone questioning how the Eagles would do with a little bit of adversity? Um, again... I've been saying this all year that we shouldn't have to worry about what Philadelphia does dealing with adversity. They've done it in every way you've needed them to do it. Um, Nothing short of sensational offensively. A couple of hiccups, uh, you know, just like any other offense would have. But for the most part, we had the game basically in hand uh, for a majority of the time. The first half we came out. We punched them right in the mouth. We had a 14-0 lead. Then, uh, you know, again, just some miscues on offense. and kind of let Green Bay hang around a little bit. Um, we gave them really good field position in the first half, and that's kind of why they scored um, the three touchdowns that they did. But then after that, we held them in check in the second half. They only scored 13 points. Um, and then, you know, we damn near ran for 360 360- – 363 is basically what we ran for. So we ran all over Green Bay. Uh, we went – the formula that I wanted to see them go for was just running it down their throat. They could not stop us. Jalen Hurts, again, just a perfect decision-making game. He made no mistakes. Um, and then Miles Sanders, he did his work. Uh, he finally got the carries that he needed to in a big-time game, in a big situation. And – he capitalized on it, and the team from top to bottom, it's looking pretty good. Um, we did have an injury to Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, so that mm-hmm. kind of hurts. That's going to be a bit of a, a blow, um, but I think we'll be able to kind of offset that. Um, there's potential rumors about Malcolm Jenkins uh, being signed by Philadelphia. We may see some young safeties on our you know, practice squad come up. Uh, but regardless, everything I wanted to see out of Philadelphia, I saw – on Sunday night football. And um, again, business as usual, status quo. I wasn't too shocked by what I saw. (laughs) 
Way to play it cool, Asif. I don't hate that what I don't hate that whatsoever. And I've been actually, consistent. I've been consistent. For, the, for those for those on the other end here, listening with their headphones on, maybe you're in your car. If you follow us on Instagram as well, that is not to do a shameless plug at no, the Ride the Bench it. podcast with a K right. instead of a C in the word podcast. Promise you, I didn't bring it up just to plug it. You had put out a post about the Eagles' keys to victory and what needs to happen. And on cue, you said, "Yo, we need to run the damn ball here." And we need yep. to get Sanders 20-plus carries. And I think it's pretty safe to say that without Sanders being as involved as he was with the game mm-hmm. that close, that would have been the difference, Asif, don't you think? Uh, yeah, to a degree. I mean, I think just establishing the run and just kind of the strength of this unit, the strength of the Philadelphia yeah. Eagles, despite the receiver talent, despite the back four on the defensive side, despite the defensive line, it's our offensive line. It's maybe the best unit in football. And we have not relied upon them for the past couple of games and i think it showed um again the last couple of games against the washington commanders the indianapolis Colts. we didn't really rely on the run and this game we were like listen let's get back to who we are our identity is through jason kelsey landon dickerson jordan Mailata, isaac semawalu and lane johnson and just punching you in the mouth and we got to it Miles Sanders had a great, great game. This is a career year for him. Uh, And then Jalen Hurts, just opportunistic scrambles, finding the open lanes when he needed to. He ran for basically 160 yards himself. So like 100 in the first quarter? It was was ridiculous. It was an absolute (laughs) clinic on the ground. We didn't need to throw the ball. And quite frankly, I don't mind. If we could drop 40 just by running the ball, hell, I'm cool with it. You know what I'm saying? So, um, yeah, man. It's just like that's the strength of this team. It's running the football, controlling the clock, and not making mistakes. And we saw that again Sunday night. And the last two games, I think, were just blimps. They weren't a trend. Um, I think you're going to see a little bit more of this style of football continuing into the playoffs. So, I am excited. I'm excited. Yeah, and you should be. And um Obviously, you shouldn't be worried, but outside looking in, you still have those big NFC East games coming up. Yep. It was pretty crazy to see them show the NFC playoff picture graphic on the screen. The NFC East is the entire wild card. Yep, exactly. That's amazing. Unreal. That is unreal. I'm going to tell you, someone check the preseason odds, huh? I mean, you could have made a lot of money. That's the real deal. Absolutely. I want to ask you a bit about, because this entire game, uh, I was not only – floored by what I was seeing by the Eagles offensively. Mm. But to see off the street, Ndamukong Sue and Limbaugh Joseph have made their mark on this team immediately. Yeah, Not just in the running game, but as pass rushers. I mean, you see these guys hitting the quarterback quite a bit. Uh, How pleased. I mean, you couldn't have expected much more than what they've given you. I mean, these guys, like you just picked them both up. And in many cases, they kind of look like not the stars of your defense, but they're certainly popping off my screen. I can't tell if it's just because I'm amazed that they just picked them up as free agents or they're legitimately playing that well. Tell right. me what you think of what you've seen of them. Cause I, I mean, it's been awesome. Well, honestly, man, yeah, it, it has been really, really nice to see. Um, do do? Dominic, huh? How does that happen with free agents like that? I, I know. Well, also, I think it's also just based on what we're asking them to do, right? Yeah. We're not asking them to be these all pro type of players. We have a rotation of defensive linemen. We only need them to play like 25 to 30 snaps a game. You know what I mean? And like, all we need them to do is just be themselves and make impact plays for 20 snaps in one game. And I think Linville Joseph, again, 
a player who's been in this league for a long time, made a lot of big plays. And the Dominican Sue, we already know he was a, a big time player with the, with the Rams, with the Bucks. Uh, played big time football with Detroit, uh, even though they weren't winning games necessarily. But it certainly wasn't his fault. Uh, so he, a guy's been in the league for a long time, knows how to play. We don't need them to be spectacular. We just need them to come into moments and just make key plays. And the Dominican Sue. Again, pops off the TV screen because he could just play football, man. He really is just a big-time football player. Came in, gave us a good pass rush internally, and then it, it helped out everybody else on the defensive line. Fletcher Cox got some action in there. Josh Sweat made some big plays because of Ndamukong Sue too. And we haven't even seen Robert Quinn yet. Robert Quinn is, like, on the bottom rung of the depth chart right now. And I'm sure once we get everything rolling again, we're going to see him make some impact plays, too. So, um, again... I wasn't expecting them to come immediately and do what they're doing. I was expecting this around playoff time, but it is a pleasant surprise. And I am incredibly happy with the production that I'm seeing from the front seven of this unit, because um, that was one of the bigger things that I was really worried about going into the postseason as far as our run defense and how we would look on the front seven. But um, I, I, I am pleasantly surprised and it was really good to see just those two guys making the plays that they – and you can tell they wanted to play football. So yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm glad they're in a situation where they feel like they can really win. And I think we are in a really good position to make big-time noise in the NFC despite – Absolutely. You know, I mean, there's no, so. there's no question about that for sure. I'm sure mm -hmm. Aaron Rodgers wasn't exactly thrilled to see Ndamukong Sue once no. more. Yeah. I'm sure he figured he might have been done with that juncture of his career, right? Right. He's probably like, enough of that. Well, I, I did also think see that's what the too, the disciplined man. I did see him hold up on Aaron Rodgers on that one he play, did. If you happen to remember, Absolutely. Aaron Rodgers probably you know getting PTSD flashbacks. Yeah. So you mentioned the uh, the Chauncey Garner Johnson injury uh, yeah. briefly, and I just want to open up a little bit more about that. And I don't mean to put you on the spot. Maybe you know the guys coming up from the practice squad and, and whatnot. Uh, I, mean, I want to ask you what's the impact, mm -hmm. if there's even a big one that you think it's going to have on this defense, and, and who could we expect to see. Uh, fill some of those reps. Um, well, first of all, as far as guys coming off from the practice squad, I don't know anybody off the top of my off the sure, list. That's uh, I would have to look at the names. Uh, yeah. But I know our safeties are one of the thinnest positions on the roster. We had a lot of depth this year, but safety was one of those positions we kind of like kind of held to the wayside a little bit. Uh, we mm -hmm. had Blankenship, the rookie. Uh, I don't know his first name, but I'm sorry. I would have looked it up earlier. But uh, he had the big time. He had a really great jump on the ball with Aaron Rodgers. Pick six or whatever? Was it a pick uh, six? It, it wasn't a pick six, but he made a big time jump on the ball. Yeah. Completely telegraphed the play. Um, and that play particularly popped off the TV screen. And then uh, we also have, like, Kevon Wallace and Marcus Epps. Uh, again, probably the weaker guys on our back four. Um, and as far as the Gar Gardner-Johnson injury – He's been sensational for us this year. I mean, to come in um, and give us the type of play he's given us at safety, even though it's a position he hasn't really – he's had some reps at safety, but when he was in New Orleans, he was a nickel corner. Like, that was his prerogative. And he's come in and given us elite safety play, ball hawking, sacking the quarterback, big-time tackles, and bringing a swag and bringing energy and an attitude to the unit that we desperately needed, right? Because even though Darius Slay is great and James Bradbury is really good, they're not like high-energy vocal guys, right? Uh, Brandon Graham's like that type of guy uh, on the front seven, but we didn't have anybody on the back four that was like that. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson comes in and yaps, and he backs it up. 
So he had a last. He, I think he suffered a lacerated kidney. So like he's gonna be out for like some time, yeah. and um, that, that's gonna be a big blow for us. Sure. Um, luckily, I I have faith that Marcus Epps is going to come in and like really start to develop a little more. So I think like. Long story short, in the long run for us, this is going to be a good thing for this young safety group because now they're going to be put in a position where they really have to be disciplined and really have to make plays. And then Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is going to come back, I believe, uh, once the playoffs begin and be in prime position to kind of take control of that back four unit once again. Um, So what does this mean for Philadelphia? It means we really are going to get to see who we have as our young safety, the guys that we drafted. Howie Roseman has really trusted these guys from the beginning because it was something that I really wish they addressed. We still have Jarquezy Tart um, on the roster too, so I'm mm-hmm. sure he's going to get some reps. And I mentioned earlier, um, there's potential rumors that he may give a call to Malcolm Jenkins, um, the safety right now that's not playing, even though he said he could play football again and give us a, a good stretch. Uh, it may have to come to that, but we're going to wait and see. I think they're going to ride this one out for a little bit. So, um to be honest with you, let's just wait and see um, how sure. Marcus Epps, Blake and Chip, and Kevon Wallace play because those are those are the question marks on the defensive unit. It was actually those three guys. So let's see if they step up. Sure. And then I'm going to ask uh, – I have one more question, I guess, about the Eagles because yeah. you look at um, – you know, and I, I think it's probably the second week in a row I'm bringing it up, and it's not like I've discovered something that other people haven't. You see how teams are trying to play the Eagles, and they're saying, we're going to run the ball. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. We're going to yeah. force these guys to be physical with us. And when you look at some of the running backs who've had success against Philadelphia, mm-hmm. obviously A.J. Dillon resurrected from the dead in this yeah, game, no. but that's a big physical back. The Colts yep. were able to do a pretty decent job. Jonathan Taylor, pretty big physical back. Mm-hmm. And even a Brian Robinson was able to run the ball really effectively on you yep. guys. Another big physical back. When you look even, at Zeke, division, even Zeke in the Dallas game, he, he had a really good game. Well, I was about to say, too. if I'm not mistaken, you have another game coming against Dallas, right? Mm-hmm. That's something. And then, of course, the Giants, not that Saquon's known for his physicality, but they're certainly going to bring it to you and force yeah, you sure. to stop the run, right? Mm-hmm. And those are all games that are down the line. But then I ask you, all this talk about physical running backs, and now here come the Tennessee Titans this week, yeah. right? So are you at all worried about that? Are you, are you concerned that, you know, or just no? Because, you know, Philly, why would you be? Um, well, I'll tell you what. Earlier in the year when we were, like, talking about our schedules and how the schedule would play out, yeah. um, Tennessee was one of those games where I was like, I wouldn't be shocked if Philadelphia loses this game just because Tennessee, I think, is a really good football team. Always are. Um, and they, they always are, and they're well coached, right? So. Yeah. Um, as far as being worried about Derrick Henry, who isn't worried about Derrick Henry uh, coming into town, right? <laughs> I like it's Derrick I, Henry. I suppose I meant worried about the outcome. Of course, worried about Derrick Henry. I'm yeah, no, I, I, I get you. Yeah, yeah I get yeah. you. Um, yeah. as, as far as the, well, again, it kind of comes down to we can run the ball the same way as any of the best teams in the NFL, too, right? Yeah, and true. with Tennessee, there is a formula to beat them, and that's to keep King Henry on the sideline by running the football and making Ryan Tannehill throw the ball. And I think if Philadelphia comes out and gets an early lead, which I think is very possible, and I think it's going to happen, Tennessee is going to have to score points. And will they do that in big chunks? I don't know. I really don't know. It kind of depends on how Ryan Tannehill comes out because there are times where he'll come out and he'll play absolutely lights out. And then there are times where he will be Ryan Tannehill. Right. So the way to take Derrick Henry out the game, if you're a Philadelphia Eagles fan is, by making sure he doesn't get on the field. And that's 
doing what we just did to Green Bay and doing that same exact thing to Tennessee because as far as physicality goes, offensive line, we can match physicality with the best of them in the NFL. We can do that. We don't have like the big imposing physical back that will run you over, but we have linemen who can move, who are gritty, who are tough, and do not get tired and love and just love to run block. So um, I'm (laughs) as far as the formula goes, just keep King Henry on the sideline because he's going to get his because he's King Henry. But the way to offset him, run the ball down Tennessee's throat, that's the game plan. And Jalen Hurts is physical as a runner, too. So um, I didn't really like the fact that he took some big shots in the Green Bay game. I think that's uh, a little cause for pause there. But um, just run the ball. Keep sure. him on the sideline. And I think, for the most part, if we score 25 points against Tennessee, which I think is possible, I don't think Tennessee is going to match that. So And the, and the Bengals kind of gave you – a way to kind of keep them in check too, right? So just keep them on the sideline and just be as tough as you can on the offensive side of the ball. And I think you could really check Tennessee. So if I had to pick a game uh, that Philadelphia would surprise me in, it would be this one. And I think they're going to keep King Henry in check and we'll see just how tough Philadelphia is on the defensive side of the ball. Got it. Mm-hmm. All right, man. That's all you got for Philadelphia on me. All good. Appreciate it. So – we go from greener pastures, no pun intended, to, you know, why Justin's feeling so blue. Right? I was about uh, to say, I'm feeling blue. Yeah, man, you're feeling yeah. blue, you're bleeding blue, and, uh, you know, that team is uh, looking a little rough over there. So the Indianapolis Colts played on Monday Night Football against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and the Pittsburgh Steelers came out with a victory, a 24-17 win. Um Kenny Pickett played a clean game, ten and just kind of the same formula with the Colts. Defensively, they come out and bring it, and then the offense couldn't kind of hold up their end of the deal, right? So, with that, Justin, let me ask you this: um, what how you feel about the loss? Because it's always a tough week when you're coming in with an L. Um, but mainly about the way the team responds coming out of the gate. They always start off a little slower than you would like them to. And they're already like a slow functioning offense in terms of like, they don't have like big speed plays. They're really, they have to be methodical in order for them to get going. Um, But why do you think this team comes out so slow? And what is the deal with this offense, man? Like what is going on? Well, Asif, um, we stink, uh, period. And there's really not much else to say about it. Uh, It just so happens that we have a podcast. So, uh, you know, we could dive in and, and we could, you know, we, we could dissect it any which way, but it is what it is. <laughs> I mean, it's an absolutely anemic offense. Um, yeah. And I think what's so bothersome is that even if we just ran the ball religiously and did nothing else, we mm. still don't, don't seem that we would be that good. Yeah. But they just make it so hard on themselves, Asif. You know what I'm they saying? They do. I mean, they really do. Yeah, and there's two times in the second quarter. I'm going mostly off memory here. There's two times in the first quarter that they have like a seven-yard carry and a 10-yard carry. And you're looking, you're like, all right, there it is. You know, because, I mean, the first quarter, forget those first two drives. I mean, I think every Colts fan in existence was completely mentally and emotionally checked out after the first two drives were so hideous. I didn't even know what to do about it. But you have in the second quarter, you start to get things going on the ground a little bit. And then all of a sudden, you keep putting yourself in these situations. It's like, okay, that was a second and eight. You just got a 10-yard run. 
why on first down would you then go play action when Matt Ryan had a half where he was five of 16? Why are you putting him in a position on first down, you go play action, and then you throw in completions? And now you're in second and long when you can't complete a damn pass or get any yards anyway. So they're shooting themselves in the foot. Realistically, for much of the game, I thought the line held up okay. You know what I'm saying? Um, you know, obviously there was pressure there, and that is what it is. You know, we have Will Fries at right guard. We have um, – I fucking don't know how to pronounce this kid's name. This kid Raman uh, in the left tackle spot. Uh, and he's going through his growing pains, and that is what it is. Uh, it just irritates me. I just don't understand. Like, where is, like, just run five straight? Make them stop it. Do you know what I'm saying? Make them stop it. That's what gets me most about this team is you run the ball well. You know, that hasn't gone away, it, it, particularly since Saturday has been the coach. We've been able to run. It just seems like when we're about to throttle them on the ground, we take ourselves out of it by putting ourselves in a passing situation or rather putting ourselves in a second and long. And now you don't have that flexibility to choose anymore, right? Of course you could run on second down and that's fine, but then you're at third and five. And again, it seems like throwing the ball four yards is an issue for us. So I just don't understand why you don't put yourself. I'm thoroughly convinced that in that game, if we just went one drive and just ran the ball like 12 times, we probably would have scored just period. Like just make him do nothing else. I mean, for Jonathan Taylor to come out of it with, um, I don't know, 20 carries, 22 carries. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And like no one else had one. That means you literally just ran the ball that many times, you know? Yeah. So it was aggravating to see on that front. And that had to be maybe uh, with all of the nonsense that the Colts offense has shown this year, probably the most hideous half of football they've played. Uh, and that's when, you know, uh, so I think the biggest thing that I'm observing, uh, and I think it's going to be a growing story as the season goes on. And people are saying Matt Ryan has watched this, that, the next thing, but they didn't watch the game. Do you know what I'm saying? They just, you know, the Colts are losing. Their offense isn't great. He's washed. What it looks like to me, from an unqualified mind, right? Mm-hmm. It seems against zone, he's fine. He looks okay there. Because obviously his arm strength leaves a little something to be desired. I think this is no, I'm not sure if it's the shoulder injury. It is mm-hmm. worse than it is or worse than it's led off to be. Or if he's just lost zip. Either way, something's off on that front with the arm strength. What's most alarming is his unwillingness to throw in single coverage against man. I mean, there's a lot of sacks that he just didn't let it rip. You know what I'm saying, dude? Just let it rip. Just throw the ball, you know? And and that's what's starting to alarm me is I don't know if it's a situation where he doesn't trust his arm, he doesn't trust the receivers, or what it is, but there's one in the uh, the second or third quarter. He throws it out of the back of the end zone. Harris Campbell was open enough. You got to throw that ball, man. You got to throw that ball and give him a chance. You throw it out of the back of the end zone. Harris was as open as you have to be by NFL standards to put a ball in there. So the big thing that I'm starting to notice is it seems, again, for all the reasons I just stated, whether it be his shoulder injury, whether it be literal deterioration of his skills due to age, whether it be to lack of trust in receivers, against man coverage, it's just not there. Period. Even when guys are open, I mean, Ryan Fitzpatrick, famous clip of Ryan Fitzpatrick, giving advice to Tua Tungavailoa and just telling him against single coverage and Tua threw a pick once, uh, basically just because or fumble. Point being is Fitzpatrick said, listen, man, this is the NFL. Sometimes, you know, guys in single coverage, sometimes you just got to let it rip. You know what I'm saying? And, and just let your guy make a play. And you're just not seeing a lot of it out of Matt Ryan, if not for him throwing to, to Michael Pittman. He's, he's tried to throw to Pierce a couple times when he's completely blanketed. I mean, the first route of the game is an RPO. He pulls it. The corner basically ran the slant for him. Matt, come on, man. You're better than that. You're better than that, Matt Ryan, you know? 
So this is the stuff that's aggravating to me, and I just don't know what it is. Uh, but he's old. Um, he looks old. And, um, you know, I don't know where else to go with it. He, lo- he looks old. That being said, for all those who say, bring in Sam Ellinger, I don't think so. I, I think primarily the reason I think Frank got fired, I think he would have made it the season if not for that, as I look at it in hindsight. And I'm not sure if this was my opinion at the time. This is what I've gotten to. Mm-hmm. I think when he did that, that was chaos. I think it split the entire locker room because I think at the end of the day, the Colts were still alive mathematically. And I think dudes were rocking with Matt Ryan as the guy, the leader. Um, and I think to keep the guys there for the rest of this season and to just show that this organization has some level of stability, I think you got to roll with Matt Ryan the rest of the way and just see where it brings you. If it's miserable, it's miserable. The season's already over. Uh, some people were like, oh, if we win, it was, it's over even if we won yesterday. It's been over. You know what I'm saying? So uh, I think they got to stick with Ryan regardless of all the things I just mentioned. That's fair. Fair enough. And um, again, you kind of answered the second question I was going to ask you, like with the what do you think we should do with Matt Ryan? Um, just a little off-tangent question, because in the second half, he started picking things up a little yeah. bit. And I've noticed with the Colts, um, and again, you probably know this a little bit more than I do, um, for some reason, because of their lack of speed on offense, they tend to run, when they when they really are in a jam, they start to run the no huddle, and that's when they really start moving the ball. The quick passing game always starts to open up for them a little bit. Why don't they go to that more often from the get-go if they really feel like they have to throw the ball? Like you said, their identities should just be run the ball, run JT yeah. 20, 25 times a game and just let it happen. But um, what's good with the play calling? Do you agree with some of the – do you agree with the philosophy that Parks is trying to implement? Like do you think Saturday should get in there and just be like, hey, listen, really enforce the ground game and start saying, hey, trust our guys on the offensive line and let them go to work? Or um, do you think just this year is just going to be a lost cause? It doesn't even matter what we do because we're in well, yeah, it's a little bit of that. It's a little bit of that. And what's aggravating is that you look at the second half and you see the way they played and you're like, damn, in a half like this, they don't look that far off. You know what I'm saying? But then you have situations like the first half. And the first half was obviously exacerbated. But, I mean, you have bits of that sprinkled throughout this. I mean, the fingerprints of that type, that is our season, you know? Um, and I don't know if Parks is trying to prove something. I mean, he's a young guy. You know what I'm saying? He's been working with Reich since, you know, 2018. And then you have Jeff Saturday coaching his uh, was it third game now. I'm not keeping count. His third game. So, you know, there's a lot of moving parts on that front in terms of a lack of experience, just not being in these situations. Uh, really, I think what did it, though, in the second half, there was something about the energy. I, I mean, kids, I feel terrible not knowing his name. Dallas Brendan or something like that. Mm. This kid that brought back that kick return, the stadium absolutely erupted. And then from there, you know, it was what it was. So, you know, the Colts came in hot in the second half. Um, if anyone has a recording of Jeff Saturday at halftime, I would love to get the audio version of that so I could fucking set it as my alarm clock in the morning because whatever he did worked at halftime, no questions asked, whether it was him. I know Matt Ryan's a fiery guy. Mm-hmm. Somebody yeah. said something and some adjustment was made, you know, because they looked significantly better in the second half. And obviously if they had played that way in the first half, they would have beaten the Steelers what seemed to be pretty handily, right? But the biggest thing about the Colts is that this is one of those seasons that – they just – the teams that historically are giving them issues where they have these trends against, they're not breaking any of these trends, you know? They're 6-26, and 26, now 6-27, and 27, all-time versus the Steelers, still have not beaten them since 2008. The Jacksonville Jaguars, they can't win in Jacksonville. They get shut out 24 to nothing in Jacksonville. Storybook. Opening season, right? You have two th- – opening game of the season, you have two things colliding, right? You have the fact that the Colts haven't won 
an opening season game since like Johnny Unitas or something like that. But then mm-hmm. you also have the fact that the Texans couldn't beat the Colts if me and you were playing out there, right? And what happens? Instead of just going out there and beating the Texans, who you have literally owned, right, who you've had on a leash, they tie them somehow in the opening game. So it, it's a season that, uh, you know, they're, they're just not doing anything that would uh, warrant any sort of optimism or feeling that they, that they would be any better. And, I mean, I, I've been relatively negative the entire time. I was given a little bit of false hope. And when I say a little bit, I understand, Asif. I was very happy coming out of the Raiders game uh, because the offense came out there and played. But once again, another game where we can't drop 20, uh, and, and it is what it is. And if people want to say something about the defense in this game, come on. You know what I'm saying? It's demoralizing. You have to think, Asif, if someone like me or you is sitting on the couch watching this game and the first two drives you see the way the Colts played offensively, you say, oh, fucking, here we go again. You know what I'm saying? If we're doing that, what do you think the defense is doing? Yeah. They're the ones out there putting their body on the line and having to pull this thing together. I mean, they're probably taking inventory and doing the math immediately in the first quarter. You know what I'm saying? That's a lot to handle. You know, fucking Pickett looked really good yesterday. Uh, he looks like a guy to me. He's room for improvement, but he, he's mm-hmm. composed. And, um, you know, they took it to us in the first half, I think mostly because we're just so demoralizing. What do you want this defense to do? You know? So your initial question was, do I vibe with what Parks Frazier is doing? My answer is, I don't fucking know. You know, I really have no clue. We don't somehow with Jonathan Taylor, it seems offensively we don't have an identity. It makes no sense because whenever we go to it, it works. And uh, that is what it is. I I mean, I I, I don't know. I don't know why we feel the need to throw in situations where we could just run. I don't know why we don't make them force us to throw instead, right? Because we we can see that out to its natural conclusion. Mm -hmm. As you were saying before, when you look at the Eagles and you look at Tannehill, there's a formula to beat them, but before you get there, you still have to execute it. You know what I'm saying? You still have to actually do it because it's all great to say, let's stop Derrick Henry and keep them on the sideline. It's another thing to do it, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The Colts could be the same thing, but they have to make you force them to do it, right? The Colts aren't putting anyone in a position to even make it difficult on them. So that, that's that's really been the issue for me. Yeah, I agree, man. Uh, it's definitely been a rough go for you guys this year. Um, you were mentioning uh, running the ball in, in the second half. Um, I got a question for you. This has kind of been the talk right now of the yeah. Monday night football game. Uh, basically, with a minute six left in the game, give or take, uh, Matt Ryan drops back. He scrambles and slides just short of the first down. Yeah. Three timeouts left. I think they were like at the 20 or their 16 or something like that. So they were well within. Uh, they're, they're in basically in the red zone. And um, they let the clock kind of go down till about 30 seconds, and then they call an inside zone to JT um, when they had all three timeouts. And a lot of questions going around in Indianapolis whether Jeff Saturday should have called a timeout um, and how he managed that clock situation and how the staff overall managed the situation. Um, so what say you? Because I've gotten a lot of mixed um, feelings about how that team handled that situation. I know for me – I would have personally called the timeout and kind of talk it over a little bit better. Sure. Um, but what say you as an Indianapolis Colts fan watching that moment, you see Matt Ryan slide short of the first down. Would you want him to call the timeout or did you have any issues at all? He could have. And I think uh, Matt Ryan, rather Jeff, Jeff Saturday is getting a lot of heat for not calling that timeout. And I do think on some level, Matt Ryan's been let off the hook, right? Because he, he's, he has the authority to take that timeout. Jeff Saturday was very clear when he came in that he was going to be kind of 
letting the coaches coach, right? And then presumably in that, maybe not that he said it, but I think it's implied, you're going to let your quarterback make some of these decisions as well. Matt Ryan is essentially an extension of the coaching staff himself being, you know, the, uh, the possible Hall of Fame quarterback that he is, right? So he could have called that timeout as well, but maybe this was something they had discussed prior. Here's my thing. As far as it being like miserable clock management, let's just play this out, all right? Let's say they no huddle this, they do that inside zone, and then they convert. Okay. Now there's 30 seconds left in the game. You're at their 24, 25-yard line, maybe even their 20. They're two timeouts. What's the pro- I don't see the problem here. Do you know what I'm saying? And realistically, you know, at the end of the game, what's the 30 seconds? Because let's say you score quick and they get the ball back and all of a sudden they have a chance. And Kenny Pig, you know, Benny Snell's out there looking like Barry Sanders. You know what I'm saying? With the way this season has gone, you don't know what the hell it is. So I could understand if the thought process was we don't really want to leave any time on the clock if we do score here. It's really touchdown or bust either way, right? That is what it is. So I didn't think it was like as egregious as people made it out to be. I think people are looking to kick the Colts a little bit, to be 100% honest with you. Mm-hmm. I think people are looking to kick the Colts when they're down, kind of, you know, you know, just everyone wants to fucking, you know, make it like they're smart and be like, oh, let's shit on the Colts. Like, yeah, we get it. They stink. You have 12 games of evidence, right? You have 12 games of evidence that the only team that's worse than them is the Broncos offensively. You don't sound smart in week 12 shitting on their offense. You know, we get it. We all know, right? We've all been watching the season. So that's there. Now I'm going to bring up the next thing. People are like, oh, they just did a they talk it over inside zone. Mm-hmm. Let's say on third and one, they talk it over. They come out, they throw the ball, and it's an incompletion or, Lord forbid, a sack and a fumble or an interception. What would we all be saying? Yeah. What would, what would we all say over the course of the entire game, right? Run the ball. Is third and one not a running situation for the Colts? Is that not what you want them to do there? So I don't see how we complain about this. Can't have your cake and eat it too. You know what I'm saying? We can play hindsight, Monday morning quarterback all we want, right? At the end of the day, third and one, if you ask me what I wanted the Colts to do in that situation, it was give the ball to Jonathan Taylor, all right? So for anyone to be upset about that, I think is completely asinine and basically dismisses any, like, it's just, I just don't understand how you can do it. Because if they throw there, I think they're getting more shit for that than handing it off, as they should, right? They should hand it off. Why do you feel the need to go? Here's the thing. You go no huddle. You go shotgun the whole deal. Everyone and their mother knows that you're about to run it, in all fairness, right? But what does it matter? So I don't really have a problem with that because I don't know how we could complain the entire season about them not running enough, and then they find themselves with an important third and one, and then they run it, and now all of a sudden we're going to shit on them for it. For me, that makes absolutely no sense. So I really don't have as much of a problem with the end of that game as other people do. I think at the end of the day, if we converted, called the timeout, no one would have even spoken about it. Real and realistically, I know you tend to watch games without volume. Uh, I do watch them with volume because I happen to love some of the calls. It's not like the announcers. Like you had a Monday night again at Collinsworth, or is that the Sunday night bit? Sunday night. That's on, that, that, on Monday night. Aikman and Joe Buck are the Monday night crew. Yeah, so Aikman says oh, you got to think you call a timeout here, but it wasn't so egregious as to where it's like, how are you not calling this timeout? Because again, to my eye as well, it wasn't really that crazy. You know, mm-hmm. I really didn't think it was crazy. It's not like they had, like, some weird schematic play that, like, you know, it was a simple handoff. No huddle, get to the line, call your timeout there, and then figure it out. So I don't really have a massive problem with it at all on that front. But they're going to take heat because this is what people like to do right now, you know. They like to kick people when they're down, and then in two years when the Colts are good or something like that and they've drafted a quarterback and, and he's up and coming, everyone's going to want to talk good about him and, and bring the Colts up, right? So, you know, it is what it is. comes with the territory. At the end of the day, 
far more should we be talking about the first half of that football game and how we looked like it was a high school football team, right? Me and you went to Connectwat. We'd be lucky to be Connectwat with the way we played in the first half, right? So that's how I view that. That is more the topic for me than the end of that game. I think really when you step back and look at it, they did exactly what you'd want them to do at the end of that game. So it, it is what it is. That is fair. Um, and I, again, I think I tend to agree with you. I, again, I just would have called the time. If you're going to call the run play, make sure you have the best one out there on the field. I just didn't yeah, view it like, as some I'm sort not, of egregious misstep. Yeah, exactly. It, it wasn't like Broncos week one against Seattle. You know what yeah. I mean? Like, we're, yeah. we're clearly got to call the time out. It wasn't that type of situation. Definitely doesn't deserve the heat for that. I totally agree with you in that regard. Um, just one more question for you, Justin, because I think you and I think a lot of Colts Nation already know. The season for them is over, right? Yeah. Like at this point, there's just no hope for you guys to do anything for the rest of the year, right? So it's kind of a two-part question for you guys. Um, is there anything that you would want to see out of the Colts for the rest of the year? Like what should their goal be if they have a goal that they should set? And where do you think this team needs to go in terms of their offseason acquisitions? Like, what is the one thing that you say, okay, we go into this offseason, we don't do this one thing, there's just no hope at all. We have to address this one thing. Sure. What say you? So to start for the rest of the season, mm -hmm. what I want to see is for them to be competitive, get better, and don't give up, period. If you ask me, I want to see a whole season of, and I'm early on this, I want to see a whole season of Jeff Saturday. I do. I can't help it. I'm a Colts fan. For all the people on the outside talking about, you know, whatever they're talking about, I'm not going to get into all the nonsense being said about the Jeff Saturday hire. Um, I want to see as a Colts fan, which should be all that matters as a fan of a team or rather as a team, you answer to really one group of people only. And it's your fans. It's your constituents. Is that the word? Point being is you yeah, answer just... to your fan base. There is mm -hmm. not a single Colts fan upset that Jeff Saturday is our coach, period. Right. No one's mad about that. So for anyone on the outside saying it's a bad move, Go fuck yourself. We run this squad. You can worry about your own team. You know what I'm saying? Your coaching hires, right? So that's the, I just want to see them be competitive, not give up, and uh, and get better. I'd like to see these receivers continue to improve. Uh, I'd like to see uh, Ramen. Let's see let's see what he could do at left tackle uh, and see how he can improve. And then point being now, that brings me into the offseason. If there's one thing they have to address, certainly have to make sure that you're secure. It, right guard, that's one thing. You know what I'm saying? Right guard, if you want to plug and play over there, it is what it is. Not like everyone has an all pro at all five positions up the front. You know what I'm saying? But they need to come out of this next offseason uh, with two things. One, a quarterback that they drafted with relatively high pick, first or second round, uh, because you just need to, as I said, you answer to your fan base. At some point, you have to, right? You have to go all in. And, and honestly, that'll be Ballard's last stand. I, I do, I'm the biggest Ballard defender there is. I do almost wonder if it, there's one I, I've been on record saying that I don't think we've really missed out on anyone sensational at quarterback that we had a true opportunity to get. Uh, I think the guys that we could have gotten, we were never going to get because the teams weren't going to trade for picks, mm -hmm. but there is also a level of you wonder, is there a level of, and I'm spe pure speculation. You wonder if there's a level of fear from Ballard in going all in on that one guy, because obviously that right there, however that can, we know how Jim Irsay is. You know what I'm saying? Whoever he drafts, that is it. That's Ballard's job. That guy and Chris Ballard, that's what it is from there on in, right? However that guy does is going to determine Chris Ballard's future with the team. So I wonder if there's a level of fear from Chris Ballard 
on that front knowing, well, this, listen, once I swing at this quarterback, that's it. The timer's on potentially, you know? That's fair. Um, and I think you honestly might be right. This might be a make or break decision for Chris Ballard because a lot of uh, Colts nation is kind of split down the middle when it comes to Chris Ballard, because I think for the most part, he has orchestrated and built a team um, that has a lot of talent. He's changed the defensive side of the ball, right? And, and this but, is what I'm saying. Again, everyone wants to do this hindsight Monday morning quarterbacking. You talk to anyone with a credible fucking football brain this offseason. Were the Colts not one of the hottest teams of this offseason? It's because the roster's there. Clearly, there were questions about the receivers. The left tackle was an egregious misstep that I cannot defend, period. There was no excuse to come into the season with Matt Pryor as your only option and some kid from Austria that was playing tight end in his sophomore year as your backup left tackle. This was unnecessary. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So they're going to have to address that. The problem is that left tackles don't grow on trees. And you don't want to move Quentin Nelson over. And Braden Smith, you've already moved from right guard to right tackle. And, and, you know, you just don't want to do that either, right? At the end of the day, you want to find someone that could be stable there. And, um, you know, I think this offseason is going to be a defining one for Chris Ballard. I have to have faith in him. I just hope the patience is there because, you know, you're going to bring in a young quarterback. Who knows who it's going to be, right? And, and I'm not going to, you know, reveal where my desires lie just yet. Although, mm-hmm. Asif, if you know, on a personal level, you know exactly yes. who I want the Colts to take. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I want to sound smart when it happens. So I'll, I'll wait. I'll wait to reveal that because, you know, maybe a whole bit planned for something like that. But my thing is that if for nothing else, I understand not drafting a quarterback just to do it. You don't want to just end up with some guy because you feel like you have to and you're not really a big fan of his so on and so forth. Um, and I, I didn't hate the rent to quarterback strategy either. But again, you really have to come out of this offseason. I'm just tired of uh, it, we, we've hit a crossroads, right? We can't keep bringing on other people's baggage, right? Because now there's two now, and the media is a nasty thing. You know, I mean, me and you were doing a podcast. We understand each and every week you need something to talk about. That's the business we're in, right? Right now, the store, the Colts are going to be a highly scrutinized team going forward into the offseason. They're going to be under a microscope, period. With that, you have the narrative of the rent to quarterback and everything that they have going on. This is all going to be stuff that's being talked about. What I don't think is a good idea is to combine that with some baggage of some other quarterback that you're taking from another team whose story is already starting to be written. If you bring a Derek Carr, right, there's going to be stories surrounding him. Obviously, there were stories surrounding Matt Ryan and forget Carson Wentz. When you bring someone else on, we're at a point where we're bringing on someone else's baggage and we're bringing on their story and we're combining it with ours, which quite frankly doesn't look very good right now. You know what I'm saying? What they need to do is get someone who has no story, no judgment, and no narrative, and then let them build it with us, for better or for worse. That's the point that I'm at there. Uh, I I just think that you're asking to have a circus if you don't draft a rookie quarterback, in my opinion. I think you're asking for a circus if you go out there and and try to grab some veteran. If you're going to do it, it certainly shouldn't be some guy that that shows that you're trying to compete with that dude. You know what I'm saying? You You have to bring in a rookie. Um, to at least compete for that job, you know, and if you want to bring in someone like, uh, you know, I don't know who's going to be available, you know, more, I do, do not, hold on, I do not want Sam Darnold at all. Okay. I'm not advocating for this. Okay. Right. But this is the first guy that came to my brain. Mm-hmm. People in that tier that you bring in and everyone understands, okay, well, clearly they're not bringing this guy to be their dude. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Just someone to give the rook a look. You know what I'm saying? Just something like that. But I think you have to come in with the rookie as a relative favorite. Uh, to win this job, at least from the outside looking in, obviously make him work internally. Um, 
but that that's kind of where I'm at. So to simplify your question and you know to turn my 10 minute response into a simple answer to your question, right. they need to come out of this offseason with stability at left tackle and a young quarterback that they actually invest some capital into. That is fair, man. That's fair. And that's kind of where I'm at with the Colts, too. Oh, and pay Yannick Ngakwe. My goodness. Please, if we come out of this season and we don't re-sign him, oh, boy, I'm going to be so mad. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be so mad if yeah, we don't Because we, we, we let these guys go. Nico Autry is so, and we could have kept. Not that he is as good as Ngakwe. But you trade for – what's the point of trading Sin for him? You trade Rocky Sin, who you invested a second-round pick into. And mm-hmm. it wasn't miserable for you. Rocky Sim was like pretty decent for us at corner, up yeah. and down a little bit, but he'd come along. He was a guy you could have yeah. out there. You trade him for Ngakwe, who was in a contract year. He's like 26 or 27 years old. You have to resign him. He's our leading sack guy. Yeah. He's been, he's been good. And he's a year, fucking man. specimen. Yeah. I, he's, I love he's been, him. He's been, he's been really good. Oh, he's year, amazing. Really if they don't resign him, I'm going to be mad. Make up for letting Danico Autry and, uh, and Justin Houston go. Please resign Unique Ngakwe. Yeah, man. That's about it. That's what I got with the Colts. So there you have it, guys. That's that's the Colts talk right there. That's the that's the mind of a Colts fan right there. And kudos to you, man. You're an objective Colts fan. I think, uh, you know, they're they're gonna get it turned around. They're too good of an organization for they're, them not to. You know what I mean? It's, like it's it's hard to look. You know, sometimes Asif, there's a, a good saying that I like to, you know, like to pull out when I can because I think it yeah. makes me sound smart and, and wise. Sometimes you can be so deep in the forest that you can't see the trees, right? And I think that's the situation that Colts fans are in. We have been spoiled, okay? We went from Peyton Manning to Andrew Luck to generational talents, okay? Mm -hmm. It is what it is. We're used to what we're used to. We were 4-6-1, two games under 500. Do you know how many teams would be in that situation (laughs) And say this is like a massive improvement for us. I mean, we're looking at the Jaguars as a team who's heavily improved. They're four and seven. Right. They're four and seven. Right. Yeah. Okay. It's all relative. So yeah. We're not that far away. I think everyone needs to hit the brakes. Again, this offseason mm-hmm. coming in, people were looking at the Colts as like a dark horse Super Bowl contender. And I wasn't all the way there, but I was certainly expecting a trip to the divisional round. And it's clearly not to be. But who says we don't just get it? I mean, if we, if we had someone come in and play like good quarterback for us next mm-hmm. year. With what we have in place, I, I don't see exactly why we wouldn't just be back in the playoff picture, to be 100% honest with you. Absolutely. I mean, other yeah. than obviously coaching, right? That, that's the question you could bring up. But in terms of the talent on the squad, it, it's fine, you know, and maybe we could get back to, you know, running the ball. Maybe that would be an idea, right? <laughs> yeah. um, and, and it is what it is. So, again, we're not that far off. And, and that's what I really want Colts fans to, to start realizing is we're not that far off and how quickly we forget where we were at with Ryan Grigson defensively on the offensive line, so on and so forth. Not that we're not much better now, but, you know, in terms of the offensive line, this is really the first year, of, you know, Ballard said it himself in the, in the press conference, you know, everyone was like, get receivers, get receivers, get receivers. And the second he does it, he looks up and all of a sudden the offensive line is, is yeah. what's going on with mind you with the core guys, like the highest paid offensive line in the league. So again, we're close Colts fans. We're right there. Deep breath. Let's see out the season. No expectations, right? Absolutely. No expectations. We yeah. don't have to be sad, right? There no. should be no emotional attachments, right? You're doing it at this point with the Colts. If you're getting pissed on a weekly basis, like genuinely, genuinely pissed, particularly after this week, you're doing it to yourself, right? Yeah, you're doing a disservice to yourself. Absolutely. You're doing a disservice to yourself. It should, it, it, in some cases, this could be a relieving moment for Colts fans. You could just have the be weight liberating. off your shoulders. It the weight's off your shoulders now. You got no expectations. You're just going into the Sunday having no 
no incentive for them. If they lose a game, great. They get the early pick. And if they win a game, great. You saw the Colts win a football game because they played competently, right? So, like, it's a win-win situation for you guys. I totally agree with you. Um, I expect good things from the Colts, man. They're, again, they're too good. And I think Chris Ballard's going to get something to turn this team around because he's too good of a talent evaluator not to, right? Yeah. So, um, let's just see how it goes. Colts fans, take a breath. Take a deep breath. And Colts hands. fans, hopefully, you know, for the rest of this season, if there's, you know, hopefully your fantasy team's doing good, right? So, you know, at least you have something to watch for every week. If not, uh, I'd better find something to do on Sundays, I guess. So, uh, Asif, I believe, unless you have any closing thoughts, it's probably all she wrote for the episode, right? I got nothing, man. All right. So, thank you so much on the other end. Uh, for listening today, if you made it this far, again, if you could shoot the thumbs up because more people will see it if you do that. I don't know how that works, but it does. Um, and again, we can make a million episodes, and quite frankly, we've made a few, right? Yes, and, uh, you know, without you guys, no matter how many we make, there is no show, right? If a tree falls in the forest, no one's there to hear it. In my opinion, Asif, the tree didn't even fucking fall, you know? Fair. That is fair. That's right. And if you like what you heard, you could subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify. Subscribe to us on YouTube as well to keep up with future episodes that we push out. We also have an Instagram page at the Riding the Bench Podcast with a K instead of C in the word podcast. Absolutely. And if you're already a subscriber and you're looking for another way to help us out, this would really be unreal. Just share it with like one person. You're a Colts fan, share it with a Colts fan. You're an Eagles fan. Share it with an Eagles fan, right? I mean, how many mm-hmm. people are talking about it and just repping their team? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, for uh, sure. You know, I feel like whatever we make up for in a lack of experience, you know, I feel like we make up for in a little bit of fandom here, you know? I would think so, man. With I would you, think so. You know? Absolutely. Absolutely. And with that, guys, that's what we want you to do. If you could do that, we'd really, really appreciate it, right? So I'm Asif, your, relative, your resident Eagle fan. Across the camera is my boy Justin. He's the Colts fan. You just listened to the Riding the Bench podcast. We hope you enjoyed it, and we'll see you back here next.